Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Welcome back to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. If you're new here, hey y'all, I'm Dr. Nicole Plenty, double board certified OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist, which means I take care of women who are pregnant or planning to get pregnant to help make sure that all of their medical conditions are managed and they are safely delivered and get through the pregnancy and postpartum period. So if you have questions, feel free to shoot them my way and make sure to catch up on the episodes from seasons one and two. They're really good, y'all. Just go ahead and and listen to them, catch up on them, and let me know if you have any questions. Well, this is episode number two of season three, and I had several suggested podcast episode topics, one of them being vaginal bleeding after sex in pregnancy. So we'll talk about that today. So let's start here. Sex is a very natural process, but some people, particularly women, are anxious or afraid to have sex in pregnancy. Whether you have vaginal, anal, oral, or masturbation, all of these things can provide you pleasure. So you don't need to stop them now just because you're pregnant, particularly since Y'all, it's the only time you can have unprotected sex and not get pregnant, at least not get pregnant again. So please don't not have sex unless there's a reason for you not have sex. But if you have sex and have bleeding, sometimes that can make you feel a little bit anxious, right? You need to get that checked out and you may be scared to have sex until you get it checked out. Bleeding can mean different things in pregnancy depending on how pregnant you are, meaning how far along you are, and how much bleeding you are experiencing. Vaginal bleeding in the first trimester is super common though. So in the first few weeks, probably right after you realize you've missed a period, you can have implantation spotting. And this is usually very light pink or specks of red blood on the tissue that lasts for about one to two days. And then it just stops. And this can happen with or without sexual intercourse. This is just what it sounds like. Once the egg is fertilized in the fallopian tube, it travels, that's it, the fertilized egg travels down the fallopian tube to the uterus where it embeds into the lining of the uterus called the endometrium. The embryo, that is what the fertilized egg is, y'all. The embryo basically snuggles its way in the endometrium, like making a little nest for itself in the endometrium. And the endometrium that's disrupted by that little nest that's created. Y'all can't see me, but I'm sort of wiggling my way down into being snug, right? Attached to the uterus. That little area that's disrupted sloughs off and that's why you may have some bleeding. And that's why it's only a small amount of bleeding, okay? So yes, 
Bleeding, if it's bright red, can signal a miscarriage as well. And if you have bright red bleeding, that's like a period, always get checked out. But if it's light pink, nine times out of 10, it's going to be um, normal, especially if it's very early, it can be just something as simple as implantation spotting. Now in the second or third trimester, things that can cause bleeding can be a placenta privia. Now this is when the placenta or the afterbirth covers the opening of the birth canal or the cervix, okay? Obviously, if you have contractions or you start to dilate, those vessels that are attached to the placenta can sort of shear, which causes you to have bleeding. A placental abruption. Now, this happens when the placenta, wherever it implants, not just over the cervix, but it can implant anywhere in the uterus, it gets a little detached from the wall of the uterus. Now, the vessels behind there can bleed. And if this happens and the entire placenta detaches, then this is called a complete placental abruption. If it happens and the placenta is still attached and working fine and you're not in any pain, then this is a partial placental abruption. And I say, and you're not in any pain because you can be having an active abruption and be in pain and it's not complete yet. Okay, it, When you're in pain and your placenta is abrupting, that always requires urgent attention. Even if you're in the hospital, that may require a delivery early, depending on how long, far along you are and depending on what exactly is going on when they evaluate um, the placenta. Now, a vasa previa, this is when the umbilical cord is covering the cervix, okay? And sometimes sort of stuck down over the cervix, which remember the cervix is the opening of the uterus, which is the birth canal. Okay, the opening of the, the birth uh, the opening of the birth canal, which is the area of the uterus. Uh, now, this is the most dangerous condition in terms of placenta and cord, because if you start to contract or dilate, bleeding can occur from the cord, which means that the baby is not getting that blood. It's bleeding from the umbilical cord. Remember, the umbilical cord is the cord that goes from the placenta to give the baby blood and nutrients. And if you are bleeding from that cord, that could mean the baby is becoming anemic and you may become anemic as well, depending on which vessels are sheared. And so you can bleed rather fast if it is an artery that's sheared because arteries are high, um, higher pressure. So if you are, if this cord is sheared, even if it's a vein, you can lose a lot of blood pretty quickly. So that's why vasoprivia, if you have that in the third trimester, they likely will put you in the hospital before your due date to monitor you a little bit closer. Now, labor, regardless of gestational age, whether it's preterm labor or term labor, can also be a reason for bleeding. If you, um, if your cervix starts to thin out, we call this effacement or thinning, or if it starts to dilate, this can cause some bleeding. Sometimes this is accompanied by a mucousy, sticky-like discharge. And sometimes you might have contractions and other times you might not have contractions. But if you are getting a mucousy discharge and like pinkest discharge with wiping, um, that could be a sign that you are in labor and you need to get checked out. Now, those are the things we watch out for when you're bleeding after sex. OK, so if you go in to the ER, you say, oh, I'm bleeding. The first thing I ask you is, did you have sex? And you say, yes, I have sex. We always breathe a little bit lighter because we're like, oh, there's a reason that you're bleeding. But we always rule out these things that I already talked about. Labor, they check you, see if you're dilated. Where's the placenta? So they're gonna do an ultrasound to look at the placenta and what it looks like. They're gonna check to see where the cord inserts into the placenta. 
to make sure it's not over the opening of your cervix. Um, and then we breathe, okay? We make sure the baby's okay, and usually you're okay. Now, remember, sex in itself can cause bleeding and nothing be wrong at all. The cervix is very vascular during pregnancy. Your blood volume doubles in pregnancy and then keeps going up. It's double by six weeks, y'all, and then gradually increases even after that. So of that doubling, 45% of your blood supply now goes to the uterus. Before you're pregnant, only about 10 to 15% went to the uterus. 45% goes to the uterus. That's the whole point of it doubling, okay? To give this baby and the placenta blood supply. So of course, if you have vaginal sex, you could bleed. If you're far enough along, just having an orgasm can cause you to have a little bit of spotting, okay? Now I know it's scary, but unless you have preterm labor, or your placenta or umbilical cord is covering the cervix, a little spotting is not a reason you shouldn't have sex while you're pregnant. I'm going to say it again. Pregnancy is not a reason you should not have sex while you're pregnant. Now, sex during pregnancy actually has some benefits that we are going to review. And I know y'all like, Dr. Plenty loves to tell us to have sex during pregnancy. I do, because it is healthy for you and your baby to keep good vibes and good hormones circulating, okay? So benefits of sex during pregnancy. It improves self-confidence as our bodies are changing. Yes, your body changes in pregnancy, but having sex allows you to realize you still got it, mama, even with the bump, okay? So we want you to keep on having sex. It improves labor and recovery. So some studies show that because orgasms are contractions of the pelvic floor muscles, you actually have strengthening of your pelvic floor over time, which helps ease labor pains and make recovery quicker. It also improves bladder control during and after pregnancy, also because you're tightening up that pelvic floor. Now, you have greater sexual satisfaction, and that's because there's more blood flow to the pelvis and a higher hormone level, which can lead to better climactic experiences. Of course, it's going to improve bonding with your spouse. When you don't have sex for nine months, <laughs> your, your spouse can get real, real, real upset. Okay, real moody, you're arguing for no reason. So we want you to make sure you have good bonding with, bonding with your spouse. It also helps with immunity. So since sex increases immunoglobulin A or IgA antibodies, this can actually help fight off allergens and pollutants. And we need that because Obviously, your immune system is a little bit depressed during pregnancy, so you won't fight off your own baby. So at least sex it gives you a little bit of immune boost. And then it also helps reduce blood pressure. This is due to relaxation of the post-orgasmic state. Now, if you have chronic hypertension, this does not mean that you should not take your medications and just have sex to treat your, your uh, high blood pressure. No, ma'am. You need to also take your meds. So... Sex does not reduce the risk of preeclampsia, so don't think that. You need baby aspirin to do that, okay? You still need to take your medicines like you're supposed to, but I'm telling you that there are some benefits of having sex, okay? Now, if you have one of those conditions we talked about, I mean, the placenta's covering the cervix or the umbilical cord, then obviously that may mean you need to be creative in other ways, okay? But nothing in the vagina, okay? Um, because we don't want any type of penetration or impact on your cervix that can cause shearing of those vessels or the placenta um, detaching. 
Now, bleeding after sex can last up to 24 hours and be completely normal. If your bleeding is more than a little bit of spotting and gets heavier, remember, I say get this checked out. But once you get it checked and everything's okay, carry on with your sex life. Go ahead. Carry on because then you know everything's okay. And it usually gets a lot easier to have sex during pregnancy once you can feel the baby's moving. Yeah, usually people are like, okay, I can feel the baby's moving. I know everything's okay. But that first trimester can be, it can be nerve wracking because you're like, what's going on inside of there? But that's okay. Get checked out. Make sure the placenta and the cord aren't there. And then move on. Okay. All right. So now that we know a little more about sex and pregnancy, let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 35-year-old who just found out she is five weeks pregnant with her first child. She has a history of high blood pressure that is controlled with labetalol. She has a history of abnormal pap smear for which she was supposed to have a cervical biopsy. However, when she found out she was pregnant, her OBGYN said she needed to wait until her second trimester before getting the procedure. She had sexual intercourse with her fiance a day ago and had deep red blood with wiping, but no continuous bleeding since then. She presents to figure out the reason for her bleeding. Okay, so the reason for her bleeding could be a whole bunch of stuff. You're five weeks pregnant. Remember I said all that blood now goes to the uterus. So by six weeks, your blood volume doubles. So your cervix and the vessels supplying your uterus are more engorged, okay? The cervix is very vascular. So anytime something touches the cervix, there's any trauma to the cervix, those vessels can become swollen, engorged, and even bleed. So it could be something as little as you had sex. You had good sex in Yasin's body, okay? It could be something as little as that. At five weeks, sometimes they can do an ultrasound and not see anything in the uterus. Don't let this upset you. It upsets some people when we go in, they have had a pregnancy test that's positive. They haven't had a first ultrasound before. They go to the ER. We confirm that they have a positive pregnancy test because we do uh, what's called a beta HCG level. We actually do a hormone level with a number that comes back. If that number is under 1500, it just means you're early pregnant, but it also could mean that we won't see anything in the uterus. So we do an ultrasound in five weeks and we don't see a baby with a heartbeat. It's just too early. Like, just don't freak out about that because it's just too early. And that would mean you need an ultrasound in another couple of weeks. So usually we tell you, get with your OBGYN, get an ultrasound in two weeks to make sure at that point you have a baby with a heartbeat. But it could mean absolutely nothing. We Sometimes we just don't see, it's not, you're not far enough along for us to even see a gestational sac. I mean, at five weeks and zero days, we should see a gestational sac, but not necessarily. And that's like the little sac the baby's in, uh, but not necessarily a pole, meaning a baby with a flicker there. Okay. We don't usually see a baby with a flicker until six weeks or after. So they're going to do ultrasound to make sure they don't see a collection of blood there. Because sometimes we can't see blood behind the sac. Um, so this could be just that. Um, could this be that you're experiencing a miscarriage? Maybe, but I doubt it because you don't have any continuous bleeding. Okay. And so if you don't have any continuous bleeding, that's actually a good sign that you have not had a miscarriage. Um, but you do need follow up to make sure they have a baby with a heartbeat in the uterus. The other thing that sticks out to me with this is that you had an abnormal pap smear before you got pregnant. Now, I always tell people, if you're getting a workup for a pap smear, get on some birth control. 
Because what we don't want to do is not get treated aggressively for things like cervical cancer because we're delaying it because we're pregnant now. Okay. You always want to get treatment for those kind of things before. And that may be why the OBGYN said, oh, let's pump the brakes. And that's because, you know, biopsying you in pregnancy, your blood volume doubles in pregnancy, your cervix is a lot more vascular. And then we're going in and biopsying lesions. It could cause you to have more bleeding. And bleeding in the first trimester freaks people out, right? Because we already barely want to have sex. And then you're biopsying somebody that's super vascular. And you're like, oh my God, I'm bleeding. Is it the baby or is it the actual site of the biopsy? So I see why the OBGYN said, let's delay this until the second trimester when you can feel movement and we get you far enough along so then we can biopsy. The other option is what kind of lesion? Is it a high-grade lesion? Is it something that came back concerning for precancerous cells like advanced precancerous cells like in situ like if you've heard carcinoma in situ before that means you need to be treated now like we need to figure out what's going on now and they need to go ahead and do your uh you know uh biopsy now now they can biopsy you in the pregnancy but they're not going to treat you like do a leap during the pregnancy because obviously that is more invasive and a leap is when you're actually taking a chunk of cervix removing it, making sure there's negative margins, depending on what the biopsy returns to treat you to avoid cancer, okay? They can't do that, that'll weaken the cervix that puts you at risk for preterm labor. They can biopsy you if you have a, a high-rate lesion. Um, they would need to biopsy you because then we need to figure out, like, is this something that we're dealing with in terms of cancer? Lesions on your cervix that are cancer do bleed, okay? Lesions that are precancer is like, oh, I had, you know, I got a biopsy, the biopsy return CIN2. That's not usually going to be the source of bleeding, okay? If you have bleeding, it's like an actual lesion. So what I would suggest that you actually get an evaluation of your cervix so somebody can see if you have an actual lesion there that's bleeding, because that would mean you need to be treated more aggressively. And that may mean that you, you may not have to make a decision about what, how you're going to deal with the pregnancy. Or if you don't have any lesions and your cervix looks normal, even if they don't biopsy, it just looks normal, then we know that this is not because of the abnormal passment. I bring that up because it's very rare for somebody to have an undiagnosed cancer in pregnancy of the cervix. But I do want to make sure we know that cancer bleeds, okay? We always want to get that workup done before we get pregnant. But nine times out of 10 in this situation, just a little abnormal pap, that's something that can wait to be worked up in the second trimester, even in the postpartum period, if it's not a lesion that's too concerning. And the OBGYN can call the lab to say, how concerned are you about this lesion? Okay, and have them figure out when exactly the timing is for your biopsy that's needed. But nine times out of 10, this is just a little spotting because you had some, you had sex, you had five weeks now. Now, if you constantly have bleeding or you continue to have bleeding after this one episode, then obviously your OBGYN is going to tell you not to have sex until you until we figure out what's going on with the pregnancy, until we have a baby with a heartbeat, until we figure out there's no blood behind the sac, I mean, you have an ultrasound. Um, they'll do that evaluation first and then let you know whether or not you can have sex again. So I know that was a convoluted answer, but with very limited information, it's hard for me to pin down exactly what's causing the bleeding. And so I would say, 
get your abnormal pap worked up. And then it's likely nine times out of 10, just a little spotting because of sexual, you know, sex and trauma to the cervix. And it's probably going to be okay. But this always requires a, a more thorough workup and exam. So the case pearl for this case is bleeding after sex can be very normal, especially in early pregnancy. However, cervical pathology should always be ruled out. All right, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 28-year-old who was 22 weeks pregnant with her second child. She had her first child at 29 weeks. At that time, she experienced vaginal bleeding for a few days. Her water broke at home, and when she went to the hospital, she was unknowingly already seven centimeters. She had her daughter two hours later. With this pregnancy, she had not had any bleeding until now. She denies any leakage of fluid and or contractions. She presents for recommended evaluation and management. Okay, so it sounds like with the first pregnancy, we had um, a 29-week preterm delivery. And remember, that was one of the things that we said, if you're in preterm labor, that could be a reason that your cervix is starting to dilate. And it could also be a reason for you having bleeding. And if you're somebody that already has cervical dilation, that's the reason that your OBGYN would tell you not to have sex um, during the pregnancy because we don't want to do anything that could cause you to continue to contract or continue to dilate. For you, it sounds like you had vaginal bleeding for a few days, had no pain, your water broke, you went to the hospital, you had advanced cervical dilation. And when we say advanced cervical dilation, it means that we're already over four centimeters dilated at the time of presentation. Now, this means that you have some component of what's called cervical insufficiency, okay? It means that the cervix doesn't have the tactile strength to stay closed. And so gradually, painlessly, you can start to dilate. And as you dilate, remember I said, that is a reason that some people have bleeding is cervical dilation, okay? So you have bleeding with or without sex, you always need to get checked out to make sure nothing else is going on. But with this pregnancy, I would offer you close surveillance, start serial cervical length assessments, meaning we look with a vaginal probe via ultrasound at your cervix to make sure that it's long. If we start seeing evidence of shortening of your cervix, especially if it's less than 2.5 centimeters, then we'd recommend that you get what's called a cerclage. A cerclage is when we take a stitch and we cinch the cervix closed, okay? It's a vaginal procedure. We take a stitch and we throw four or five sutures since the cervix closed to stop you from dilating prematurely. It sounds like this happened with your first pregnancy. And anytime you have cervical insufficiency and painless dilation, you are at risk for cervical insufficiency with all of your pregnancies. So now you're 22 weeks with your second child. And we know that you have this history. We know you're bleeding. So at this point, I'm going to check your cervix, see if your cervix is thin. If your cervix is less than 2.5 centimeters, I would offer you a cerclage placement because your history tells me you're at risk. And now you're having, uh, if you have cervical shortening, now you're having shortening, okay? The other thing I would rule out, obviously I'd rule out all the things we already talked about. I would look at the location of the placenta. I would make sure you're not dilated. I would look at the location of the umbilical cord and make sure there's no reason for you to be bleeding other than your cervix shortening. But with your history, 
anytime you have uh, a cervix that's less than 2.5 centimeters in length, when they look with a vaginal ultrasound and a history of a preterm delivery before 37 weeks, you are a candidate and should get a cerclage place in subsequent pregnancies. If you've had a cerclage place in a previous pregnancy, then with the next pregnancy, we could do a history indicated cerclage, meaning based on your history, you've had two losses, meaning you've had two pregnancies deliver early and or a loss in the second trimester and or you have a history of a cerclage because we had to close your cervix back because of cervical shortening. Well, then you need a cerclage with the rest of your pregnancies. So the case pearl for this case is painless cervical dilation can present with vaginal spotting. Anyone with a history of preterm delivery should be followed closely in future pregnancies with serial cervical length assessments. All right, medical intern, do we have any email cases? We do. And this one says, Dr. Plenty, I was told that certain positions cause more trauma to the cervix and thus more vaginal bleeding. Is there any truth to this? Are there certain positions that aren't safe during pregnancy? Positions that cause the most trauma to the cervix. I think this question, I was like, what in the world? But there are positions that cause more trauma to the cervix than not, okay? Now, the length of the vaginal canal is somewhere between three and seven inches in length, okay? So when we're talking about three to seven inches, most people's penises aren't going to reach the cervix. Let's be, let's be clear. People think that they are, but they're not. But um, three to seven inches. And I say that because when people measure the penis, they're measuring it from the tip of the penis to, you know, all the way to the base. Like you're measuring the whole length and usually people are not inserting the penis the whole length. Okay. There are barriers anatomically to get somebody to insert a penis the whole length. So most of the time your the penis is not going to be, you know, causing that much trauma to the cervix. Now, when we talk about trauma to the cervix, it could mean that it does mean that there is deeper penetration, okay? So if you have somebody that's more endowed, you are likely to have trauma to the cervix. And when we talk about positioning, if we're talking about positioning, doggy style is going to be the position that allows the deepest amount of penetration, okay? So that is pretty much the only position that's going to allow super deep penetration um, to the point that you may have what's called a bruised cervix. The other thing that people need to be more concerned about in terms of trauma is when you use toys, okay? You can get much deeper with a toy than you can an actual penis if you're not in the doggy style position. And that's because people tend to use more pressure with a toy. So if you're using toys that vibrate, toys that are, you know, uh, have more length or more girth, you can cause trauma to your cervix, which can cause some bleeding from the actual cervix. Now, remember I said the cervix is very vascular. So it's not just vaginal bleeding, okay? We're talking about cervical bleeding. So you may have a little bit more bright red blood from the cervix with deeper penetration. So anything that allows for deep penetration can cause you to have more vaginal bleeding. Doggy style is gonna be the position that causes you to have a, the deepest penetration. And then obviously, if you're having sex with somebody that's well endowed or you're having sex with toys or strap-ons, that can get you a deeper penetration, which can cause you to have a bruised cervix or more uh, trauma to the cervix. So I'm not saying that they aren't safe during pregnancy. 
we just have to be careful and you should always communicate with your partner when you're having sex whether that's using you know toys using a strap on or a physical penis you need to say this hurts you know less less depth or more depth you need to communicate with your spouse if you are having a lot of pain and listen to your body when you're having sexual intercourse especially when you're pregnant and most people when they're pregnant tend to have much gentler sex when they're pregnant um, and i always tell people especially if you had a history of bleeding after sex ease in okay ease in once you start having sex again after you've had bleeding you got to be gentle see how it is initially don't do any deep penetration initially and then if you don't have bleeding after the next time you have intercourse then go back to what you usually do and see as long as it's not causing you any pain and then see if you're going to have bleeding after that but i hope that that answers your question so yes there is a little bit of truth to that um, but all positions are safe you just have to communicate with your spouse or your partner um, when you're having sexual intercourse all right medical intern is that all the questions and cases perfect so thank you guys so much for listening to pregnancy pearls podcast i hope you learned a little bit more about bleeding after sex and pregnancy if you've enjoyed the podcast make sure to rate and leave a comment on your preferred platform and don't keep me a secret go ahead and share with your friends and make sure you catch up on seasons one and two if you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. And don't forget to catch up on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Quinny for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition pregnancy pearls is a mean old lion media production pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.